The Veritas Radio Network is guaranteed the right to offend, annoy, agitate, shout heresy, and entertain. You should start programming right now. Kind of like the cultural sewage served up on Bravo or CMT, only it's on 24 hours a day. Except Sundays. When the truth gets you angry and you throw your smartphone, remember, no one is forcing you to listen to the truth on the Veritas Radio Network. You can't handle the truth! You're doing that of your own free will. That's what makes this country great, and any gay marriage pointless. That's offensive! So there isn't much you can do about it, Chowderhead. I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Grab a book, take a vow, and conform your mind to reality. Reality. Otherwise, you're just another Judas-inspired Karl Marx wannabe, and your children will steal your credit card number to buy tickets to the Miley Cyrus Twerkers Ball. I came in like a wrecking Are you ready? Let's get it on. On the Veritas Radio Network's Crusade. Dahomey time. We are back and we are live on the Crusade Channel. King Size Truth from Radio Size Speakers here on a Wednesday night. Today is 11 October 2017. We will be discussing the lecture number 24 from Brother Francis Maluf of the St. Benedict Center and the St. Augustine Institute. And I invite you to join along by going to my website at MikeChurch.com. Scrolling at the top of the page is the um, uh, the content item, the post for the Dahomey homepage. Go to that, and you'll see the chat room. Scroll down a little bit, you'll see the chat room. We'll open it up in the uh, little new window link, and uh, you can join the chat room free of charge. Don't cost nothing. And uh, pick yourself a username and uh, log on in. And you can even invite a friend or family member on by um, if you'd like to get them interested in Thomistic philosophy, scholastic philosophy, uh, Aristotelian philosophy, philosophy of perennis, or just correct thinking, as we call it around here. And we are now joined by Brother Andre Marie, who is live at the St. Benedict Center in Richmond, New Hampshire, from which myself, uh, half the chat room just, well, you know, everyone in the chat room, save for one, just returned, brother. We got the band back together again. <laughs> the band is back, and we're playing our favorite uh, our favorite hits. So, uh, so we have Joss Will and Craig Silverman and Cesare uh, and me and you. And uh, it was just Saturday night, brother. Seems like yesterday. We were all together at the, uh, in, enjoying each other's company in St. Joseph Hall at the St. Benedict Center in Richmond, New Hampshire. It was a great time. Folks, if you missed the conference, don't miss another one. No, uh, thank you. I, 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 have to, I have to share this with you. I got a note from a, from a, a very devoted, dedicated listener who said, he said he was going to write, he, he said, I'm going to write Brother Andre a, a note and I'm going to thank him. He said, uh, I could tell the difference from uh, you having to, uh, be, being able to avail yourself 
of two and a half days at St. Benedict Center uh, because you were rested, relaxed, (laughs) didn't sound like you'd been harried and stressed out all weekend long. And uh, the show was a uh, amazing improvement. Yeah. So uh, anyway, thought I'd pass that on. But we're going to talk on uh, Dahomey election number twenty-five. What do you? Uh, what, what do we have? Uh, Dahomey election number twenty-four. What do we have in store? I got to go check a little engineering issue. So uh, introduce uh, the episode, if you would, brother. From the Subcontraction Tiles uh, on the Beatific Vision. And because of that, um, he's talking about the nature of the beatific vision, and he talks about objections to the, to even the possibility of there being um, the, the capacity in a human person to um, enjoy the beatific vision. So um, that that's the overview. Um, we could start getting into the specifics if you'd like. And um, I guess we will. So yeah, go uh, ahead and get into the uh, into the uh, specifics. So brother was brother was talking about the objections. Um, of course, everything that we know about the be the vision necessarily is something that comes to us from revelation. We can't possibly know about the beatific vision from um, a um, natural reason. It's not sufficient to 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 grasp the concept of the beatific vision. So, and again, the beatific vision is the vision of God in heaven as he is in his very essence. And it's not a vision that we have with our physical eyes. It's a vision that we, that we intuit directly with our, with our minds, uh, with, our, with our intellect. So, um, the, obje- the objection that St. Thomas answers is this. The beatific vision is impossible to a finite mind. Uh, now, Brother Francis says that 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 sounds like an objective. It sounds like a, a, a scholarly objection to the very concept of the beatific vision. But um, and and then he goes on to say that most every religion outside of the Catholic faith has a conception of God that is entirely um, uh, other. That's entirely aloof. That there's this infinite chasm, this infinite distance between man and God, and um, he's, he specifies um, various um, other religions, one of which he says is Judaism, and another which he says is Islam. And I know when Brother talked, he was always very conscious of what the beliefs of Muslims were. Now, let, let me say that this is a, because, of course, he grew up in the Arab world. Uh, I think we ought to say that it's it's common, and I really I, I don't know the, the 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 makeup of the chat room, but I think it's mostly Catholic. Um, the it's very very common for Catholics to make the the error of assuming that everybody else's concept of heaven is more or less the Catholic concept of heaven, but that's not exactly the case. In fact, it's not at all the case. And uh, of of the two most let's say. Um, depraved notions of celestial beatitude mm-hmm. we can think of one is one is muslim and another is a religion that that parallels islam in, in any number of fronts and that is mormonism and their ideas of heavenly beatitude are very very um uh carnal 
So we know of Islam, you know, the, the, the martyr supposedly getting 70 virgins, um, and who presumably will not remain virgins when he, he gets to heaven, right? So there's, right. A, there's, a, there's a very carnal notion of heaven, constant feasting and, and, and bodily gratification. So too, in, uh, in Mormonism, uh, every, every uh, good Mormon man will inherit a planet, and he'll, ha he'll have a number of wives there, and constantly be, be getting offspring so that he can populate his own planet, and that's his notion of the afterlife. This is not a Catholic notion, it's in fact quite foreign from the Catholic notion, where quite specifically, according to our Lord, there will be neither marriage nor uh, giving in marriage, meaning men don't marry and women aren't taken in marriage. So there's no marrying in heaven, there's no marriage in heaven, and this is why, of course, in the Catholic form of um, the sacrament of matrimony, which has been adopted by most other Christian religions, there's that part about, till death do us part. Why does death part us? Because there's no more marriage after death. It ends at death. It's not like baptism or ordination, which confer indelible marks on the soul. This is quite a delible thing. It can be erased. So marriage will end at death, and there is no marrying in heaven. So therefore, there aren't carnal relations in heaven of a sexual nature, and we won't need to have the bodily gratifications that we have on earth in heaven. And the beatitude of heaven consists primarily and essentially in the vision of God, which is an intellectual vision. It's a co contemplative experience. So, um, and, and it's, so it's not just some sort of happy, you know, earthly kind of experience with no sadness. It's an entirely supernatural experience. And it's an experience of God primarily, not an experience of creatures. And that is the, that is the real uh, the heaven. That's the real heaven of revelation, not what we get in, in, uh, in Mormonism or in Islam or in any of the other sort of hit or miss approximations of, of um, beatitude beyond this life. So Brother says we need, absolutely need to have supernatural revelation to know about this. Mm -hmm. So we have St. Paul telling us that um, then I will know even as I am known. We have our Lord telling us aspects of, of what, what heavenly life is. We have our Lord telling us um, about the, the, the evangelical council of chastity, that it's something which is uh, like what happens in heaven, and he says that in heaven they are as the angels, neither marrying nor being nor taking in marriage. Of course, because the the angels are not beings that procreate. Each angel is created directly by God. There is no you know angel nursery. There are no you know they're not boy angels and girl angels and baby angels. Angels all are created directly by God. So, because of this, our Lord could say that in heaven we are, quote, as the angels, right? Um, yet, in that heavenly beatitude, the enjoyment, as I said, which is of God directly, is an enjoyment of intimacy. It's of personal intimacy. And those of you who, who aren't familiar, well, who, like me, are not familiar with the Muslim world and your, your, your knowledge of Islam is something you've gotten from books or from things that have been related to by other people. Uh, you don't know how grievously offensive to a Muslim the concept is of God 
actually being a father. Brother, can I just uh, jump in here and uh, ask? Uh, I didn't get to listen to the whole lecture, but it was a really good one. Uh, and I, I had 1,700 uh, uh, fingers pressed into uh, dams in Denmark, so I was a little busy. Um, 1,700 thumbs pressed into dams in Denmark. Did brother say light or life as the beatific vision, that uh, that what it is is light? Did he say it's, it was, it's light or life? Well, he talked about it being eternal life. Okay, all right. I, now, he did talk about light, though, so okay, that's I, a little confusing. So right. I'm not sure what part you're talking about. It's, it's probably right in the middle, but I, I, I thought I, I did hear a conversation about light, and it was intriguing. It was fascinating the way he was fleshing out the argument about light. I'll probably jump ahead. I just wanted to make sure that, uh, that, that's what, that I heard correctly. Also, um, I don't see them in the chat room. Are there notes for this session? Oh, um, yeah, let me get him. Um, it's one of the highlights of being in the chat room is you get access to Brother Francis' uh, very detailed uh, and uh, very useful notes, which, uh, you know, if you have the ability, print them out and keep them in a folder. So when you go back to listen to the lecture or to this recording, um, you have them at your disposal and you're not guessing about anything of what Brother Francis said or what uh, brother, um, I guess it was brother Russell that took the other notes. So sometimes we have notes and sometimes we have a handout. And uh, they all come in very useful. And they're all provided by, uh, by, by, the, by, by brother Andre Marie from the St. Benedict Center. And if you're listening to this on the Crusade Channel and, you're, uh, and you do not have the Dahomey Lecture Series, it's easy to do. You just simply go to the Catholicism.org and search for it there in, uh, in, in their store. Um, and when you find it, just send Brother Andre a note and tell him that uh, you'd like the Crusade Channel discount, and he'll send you a discount code, and then you can check out and save 20% on uh, on the purchase, and then download uh, the series and start listening to it, and uh, you can get all caught up. Uh, we have published the previous 23 lectures, I think all of them up, are up there, on the RSS feed, which you can find on my website at mikechurch.com, and uh, you just go under the menus uh, on the top part of the page where it says Catholicism. Click that, and then click uh, Philosophia Perennis, and uh, the number one item should be the Philosophia Perennis main page, and then you'll see all the 23 items after tonight, 24, that represent individual downloads. Of course, you can also just subscribe to the RSS feed, if you know what that is, and those uh, episodes, when we uh, publish them, will just populate your RSS feed, and then you'll have uh, the explanation for whatever lecture it is that we have discussed right there at your fingertips. Again, um, if you're looking for that, it's on my website, mikechurch.com. You won't find it on the Crusade Channel website. So I see the notes are in the uh, chat room, brother. Uh, now, before I uh, so rudely interrupted you, where, where, where did you leave off? So we got the notes, we got the handout now posted in the chat room. Um, and we also have the main folder link, which is provided by Joswell. Um, quick on the draw here. Um, so... Well, we're talk I was talking about it's it's slightly tangential, but it's it's um, it's important it's important because I brother didn't always go into detail detail on this stuff, but he knew an awful lot about Islam. Again, he grew up with Muslims. I mean, he, he was he was in he's from the Ara he's from the most Christian country in the Arab world, Lebanon. Yeah, so he knew a lot of Muslims, but the um, the, but 
Muslims are grievously offended when you call God Father. And the more, the more quote-unquote pious a Muslim, the more aggrieved he will be if you refer to God as a father, because it really does contradict Muslim conceptions of God, because there's a complete chasm between us and God. It's completely introversible. God is, uh, is, is so uh, incredibly other. All we can do is submit, and of course Islam means submission. Um, all we can do is submit to God. And that's it. The relationship is not one of intimacy. It's it's not one where God adopts us and makes us connatural with himself. They have no conception of grace. They have no conception of a supernatural adoption into a divine state of grace where we're made just. Their entire conception is that we can we just submit to God, we do certain things that 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 God demands of us. And then we, we are somehow made pleasing in his sight, and that's it. There's no internal sanctity. Of course, they don't believe in original sin either. Again, we Christians tend to look at other religions, especially monotheistic religions. But for that matter, Judaism doesn't believe in original sin. Um, we assume that they believe what we believe about some of the fundamental um, notions of the religion. But Muslims don't believe in original sin, therefore the concept of being um, made holy by being taken out of the state of sin is not something that they that they believe in. And uh, it doesn't. All, all God is is merciful to somebody who submits to Him. That's it. And a lot of us think wrongly that Muslims have no conception of divine mercy. They do. But that's pretty much all they think about God and his dealings with man, is he's merciful, meaning he sort of, he sort of uh, uh, treats us with a sort of divine condescension. But that condescension isn't so literal as that he's willing to come down to us or even meet us halfway by elevating us into grace. So this is very important. The Christian concept is so radically different here because for us, God adopts us as his children. And it's only under that formality that we can say our father, the corrupted liberal uh, post-Christian West, has taken certain Christian notions and corrupted them, one of which is the fatherhood of God. But the concept of the fatherhood of God is entirely supernatural. It's only by grace that we can be adopted into the divine family and truly have a right to call God father. He's not everybody's father by nature. He's only the father of those who are adopted into grace. Um, so that's that's important to know because you're talking about the beatific vision, and and the, and the beatific vision is the life of glory, and the life of glory in the hereafter is something which is a, which is a a, a a fructification, a fulfillment, a, a flowering of the life of grace here on earth. Without the life of grace here on earth, you don't get the life of glory uh, in heaven. So. Um, th this concept of the infinite chasm between God and man being rectified, being, being um, uh, fixed by God adopting us as uh, partakers of the divine nature, to use the phrase of St. Peter, is something foreign to most religions. So the, the, the concept of heavenly beatitude for a Muslim or for a Mormon is just going to be carnal. Because of that, because they don't believe in this idea of being adopted into God's family. Um, now, on the other hand, you have Hinduism, where the concept of heaven is nirvana. And so many um, Occidentals are utterly ignorant of what nirvana means. 
um, they believe that nirvana is just the sort of the Hindu word for heaven. And they mistakenly assume that the Hindus have some concept of heaven that's roughly analogous to our own. But it's not. Nirvana means annihilation. And for, for uh, Hinduism, as for so many forms of Eastern pantheism, the concept of eschatology is basically, if you're good, you get to be annihilated. If you're good, you get to be subsumed into the divinity. If you're good, you get to be like as a drop in the infinite ocean of God, and that's it. You completely lose your identity. This is why they can believe in the concept of transmigration of souls. You, you no longer have that special identity that makes you you. And once you head up to nirvana, you just join the cosmos. You just join the, the divinity. You're no longer you. So Mike Church doesn't get to keep being Mike Church, and Brother Andre doesn't get to, get to keep being Brother Andre and all that stuff. That's the best we news are, I heard we, all day. We just become part of the big <laughs> glob that is God. We, we become blobists. Yes, we're blobists. We, we, we enter into blob, the, the, the divine blobistan. The divine blobistan. I like the divine blobistan. <laughs> this is so, the Dahomey Lecture Series uh, from uh, the St. Benedict Center and from Brother Francis Malouf. And we are discussing uh, Dahomey Lecture number 24. If you missed any of the previous 23 episodes, you can get all of them. Uh, I'm talking about the discussions for them at Crusade. I'm sorry, at MikeChurch.com. That's MikeChurch.com. Click the Catholicism tab. And then click the Philosophy of Pedantis, and that'll take you to the uh, to the section of my site that has all of our discussions. Again, if you want the lecture series, I strongly suggest that you get it. Uh, get them on Brother's site at Catholicism.org. Brother, uh, episode number 97 tonight of Reconquest? Bingo. Yeah. 97. 97 of Conquest tonight. Now, I know that you had a, a, a St. Benedict Center full of very eligible and vibrant guests. So I suspect that tonight is not a solo effort. No, tonight is not a solo effort. Tonight is an interview with a first-time guest, longtime friend, Gary Potter. And uh, are you talking about his new book? Exactly. So it's called As It Is in Heaven. That's the name of the book. That's the name of the show. I didn't. I didn't think I, I would. I would uh, need to be original when I was interviewing about a book that already has a title. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's the name of the show. As it is in heaven. Well, brother, um, uh, as the world continues to get more maddening, a mere two days prior to the 100-year anniversary of the miracle of the sun. The news is on the uh, wire tonight, or what, what was this morning? I guess the decision was made last night that the denial of reality continues and the mass hysteria that we see all around us continues to grow, if that's, if that's possible. The Boy Scouts of America are now going to admit girls into the Boy Scouts. Well... I mean, honestly, that's better than admitting homosexuals and admitting homosexual scoutmasters, mm -hmm. but I, I, better in the sense of less bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so what's the distinction? Why call it the Boy Scouts? Why not just call it the Scouts, the the, uh, the human humanoid Scouts of America, or or, or lose the title Scouts because that's got to be offensive to Native Americans. Hey, where'd you get Scout from? What what, what are you saying that? Uh, a red man was a scout because we had scouting parties. 
I suspect. Well, actually, that, well they, that would show an ignorance of history because that has nothing to do with the, the 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 scouting has nothing to do with the red man. I'm sure, but it, it, it doesn't. Was, it was a British military term. But it doesn't that, matter, that bro. Baden Powell used. Well, that makes it even worse. British military. That's white military. That's white yeah, supremacists. Way, in, in Africa, in the Boer War, okay, oh, so that's where it came from. It's so, over. <laughs> so then it's bigoted. Yes, the term scouts is done. So uh, I didn't want to interject that, but I did want to interject that because one of the reasons that you need to take philosophy of Podanis and study it and make it part of your life is because you will instantly be able to rid yourself of any romantic flirtation with all shah. Well, that's a good story for the Boy Scouts. No, it's not a good story for the Boy Scouts or for the girls that are going to go into the Scouts. And it's in the, uh, uh, this continual denial of reality. You know what's interesting, brother? As we uh, studied the beatific vision tonight in the Hominate 24, uh, and we studied the light part of, of it, uh, out in California, there is a natural disaster that is not equaled in its destruction in, in, in recent years, happening a mere three day, four days, and then three days, and then tomorrow, two days, before the 100-year anniversary of the miracle of the sun. California, parts of northern California, are ablaze. And from a distance, yeah. they look as bright as the sun. Yeah, I've been there. I've, I've been to wine country. I've been to Napa Valley. It's a shame. I, I hope that the generous people that hosted me at their winery um, about five years ago are, are safe because it was a good Catholic family in the middle of um, beautiful Napa Valley wine country. Is that St. Francis? Yeah, it's like earthquakes and hurricanes, and one gets the idea that somebody wants us to get a hint, huh? Yeah, uh, or that someone that she may want us to get a hint. <laughs> Hint, mm -hmm. hint. Mm -hmm. uh, now, let's get back to Dahomey Lecture Twenty Four. Where, uh, where are we in uh, in in our discussion? Okay, so we, Brother Francis talks about two things being necessary to keep in mind about the, the the Catholic concept of the beatific vision. One is to hold that it is absolutely supernatural to us, for us, for humans, for finite creatures, to see God as He is in the face is is entirely supernatural. Which is to say that it is above our nature. It doesn't comport with our nature. It's not something that corresponds to any faculty that we are born with. Um, when we talk about grace, we talk about a new nature being added to man. And as I taught my religion class, my high school religion class a couple of days ago, um, it's called Natura comes from Natus. In other words, th think of what we call the Feast of, the, of uh, Christmas. It's called properly called the Nativity, the Feast of the Nativity. Nativitas in Latin comes from natus, meaning born, right? Your nature, your natura, comes from your being natus, comes from your being born. The words are etymologically related in Latin, and conceptually they're related philosophically and theologically. The nature is that which you were born with. Mm -hmm. Now, in the rebirth that happens in the divine adoption, that we refer to as baptism, justification... You are given a new nature, a nature that is above your own nature. Therefore, you're adopted into the supernatural uh, uh, divine family, so to speak. So because of that's important to keep in mind because a lot of people who are de facto Pelagians think that everyone who's born to this world is born with a preset position of saved, will go to heaven unless you become Adolf Hitler. And that's a false conception. 
salvation, eternal life, beatitude is not something natural to man. It's entirely supernatural. That has to be kept in mind. But another thing that has to be kept in mind, as Brother Francis says, is that it is uh, possible. As he says, the fact that it cannot be done without God is only one half of the truth. The other half is that God can achieve it and that he has already done everything necessary on his part to achieve it. All we need is to avail ourselves of the opportunity. In other words, by cooperating with, with, with supernatural grace. Um, okay, so I think we have enough of the sort of introductory stuff out of the way. And of course, that phrase also makes its way into the creed, at, at incarnatus est. Yes, incarnat. Well, incarnatus says that's talking about right. that's talking about our Lord. That's talking about his his incarnation. Right. But yeah, incarnatus. Sure, it comes from that. And yeah, absolutely. There's an etymological relation there. Um, now, um, when Brother Francis talks about um, the beatific vision, he says that it is essentially in the soul. In fact, it is essentially in the intellect. And I talked about this a little bit in my conference talk. But according to according to St. Thomas and according to other theologians, yes, while the beatific vision is essentially of the intellect, and it's, again, it's not of the bodily eyes, it's a direct intuition of God by the intellect, um, without any media, and with, with, there, there is no medium, there are no media standing between us and God. It's a direct vision uh, of the intellect. While it is, while happiness is primarily in the intellect, we also enjoy the presence of God also in our will. Because when the intellect knows God with that supreme knowledge that we call the contemplation of beatitude in the beatific vision, there is an overflow in the will. Because when the when the intellect possesses the good of God contemplatively, then the will loves perfectly. No longer desires, because desire is absent. All desires are quieted, but there is rejoicing, which the will does. The will, the will delights or rejoices. Delight is generally what's, what's the, the highest kind of rejoicing. So the will delights in the possession of the good. But it's not left there, just at the soul, because we also have the passions and we also have the body. So all of man's powers, St. Augustine describes this, and St. Thomas includes it in, in the Summa, in his own explanation of heavenly beatitude, not only the intellect and the will, but also the passions, and also the bodily faculties experience an overflow from the beatific vision, so that there is a perfect contentment that, in, in beatitude that corresponds to all of man's faculties. It's not going to be a, a carnal thing. I mean, yes, the body will have some enjoyment, but this is not this sort of perpetual party. It's not the perpetual debauch of the, of the Muslim conception of heaven, nor is it the perpetual, you know, uh, big extended Mormon family kind of debauch that the, that the, that the Church of Latter-day Saints so-called has. It's, the, it's, the, it's a conception which is entirely chaste, it is entirely, uh, it, it, it's, it's, we don't, gluttony is a sin on earth, okay, and drunkenness is a sin on earth. We don't divinize it in heaven, okay? So our concept of heaven is not, oh, gee, we get to do all those things that are sins when they're on earth. So when we talk about the body experiencing a, a certain rejoicing and, and pleasure in heaven, it's not this, 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 this Islamic or, or Mormon conception.
but there will exist that. But primarily and essentially, heaven is a pl- is is a, is a, a the vision of of God in the face, but the intellect, the 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 joy and love that's found in the will, and then the overflow into the other faculties. Um, all right, so uh, yeah, it's after this that brother goes on to his in his thing about nirvana. Um, yeah, Brother says, we are talking about a supreme and consummate experience that is possible for man to achieve. It is only when it is achieved that we can consider life to be a success. Um, okay, um, the Catholic faith says that we will individually and personally be recognized, and we will not lose our personality. So this is contrary to the concept of nirvana. We will somehow be so closely related to God that we deserve to be called participants in the divine nature, to be called children of God in the highest sense of the word. And again, that is that is offensive to Muslims. So you can see how supernatural our conception is of heaven compared to theirs. Um, again, this comes from Revelation. I'm not saying, you know, we're so much better than they are. <laughs> it's, the, it's the truth that God revealed uh, rather than their sort of uh, fake revelation. Um all right, uh, and, and he talks about us having to desire this. This is something that is not natural to man to desire. Yes, by nature, and you've heard me say this, man desires God. Man desires to know. Man has, a, has, a, has a, 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 an orientation um, which needs to be fulfilled and can only ultimately be fulfilled in the beatific vision. But to desire it with his will explicitly and overtly is something that is impossible without grace. We have to know of it. We have to know of this conception. We have to have it revealed to us for us explicitly to to desire its achievement. Um, Okay, let's see. Um, Now, St. Thomas gives an objection. Now, again, this isn't from the Summa Theologiae. This is from the Summa Contra Gentiles. And Brother Francis entertains one of St. Thomas's objections and gives his answer for it. So I'm going to read at some length here from the notes. Okay, so the first objection. Um, the eyes can only see colored things. I cannot see music. I cannot uh, see a mathematical principle. Uh, these things cannot be given to the eyes. To say, if I add more light, I will hear more sounds is impossible. I cannot see sound any more than I can hear color. When it comes to the divine essence, our faculties are related to it the way our ears are related to a colored object. Okay, so you see where you we're going with this? We don't have faculties by which we can see God. You cannot help um, our hearing by making the colors more vivid or adding more lights. So St. Thomas gives the answer, and here's Brother's paraphrase of it. The divine substance is not beyond reach of the intellect as to be beyond its reach as sound is to sight or as any material substance is to the senses. We cannot see an immaterial object with the senses, like uh, with the senses, such as justice. So, brother, always give this example. You can't see justice. Justice is an abstract concept. It's an idea that can only exist in the mind. You know, you you can see justice sort of transacted, but you're not seeing justice itself, right? You're you're only seeing men who are behaving in a just way. So, just as the just as the eyes can't see justice or hear justice or any other sort of uh, abstract concept, so too 
the, 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 the bodily eyes and the bodily ears can neither see nor hear God's essence. And then Brother becomes artful himself. He says, uh, there are two ways, uh, there are two reasons why we don't see an object. Sometimes because it's not clear enough. Sometimes because it is, because it is too clear. Hmm. And keeping in mind, the, the word clear comes from the word clara, which, which means lightsome, right? Illuminated, lit up. Uh, even in the animal kingdom, we have examples. The owl sees better at night than in the day. The mole is more comfortable in the ground than on the surface. We cannot see the sun, not because it is not bright, but because it is too bright. Obviously, if we looked at the sun, uh, we would be blinding ourselves. And the, the ancient myth about the eagles was that the eagle had such powerful eyes that it could look straight into the sun. And this is why... St. John the Apostle's, um, St. John the Apostle and Evangelist, his symbol among the evangelists is that he's the eagle. And, and the, the explanation of that is because he could see directly into the divinity of Christ, uh, as he gives in the prologue of his gospel, without flinching. Um, more, more than the other apostles who focus more on Christ's humanity, um, or other evangelists, rather. So now, moving right along, some, somehow it could be a hint why the divine essence is not giveable to our intellects, not on account of darkness, but on account of an overwhelming light. We have to be strengthened to the life of glory. It is the most intelligible thing. It is too intelligible for the kind of minds we have. Now we will see St. Thomas put it more accurately. The divine substance is the first intelligible and the first principle of intelligible knowledge. Keep in mind, all intelligible knowledge comes from the Logos, right? He, he is, the, he is, the, he is the, the, the light by which all men know. He is the, the word, the first utterance of God, and uh, by him all things were made. Um. So, he is the Logos, the, which the, the Greek concept of Logos is the principle of all reason, the principle of all rationality. So, to say that God is intelligible is, is, is backwards. God is the most intelligible thing because all intelligence comes from him. Now, but, but moving on to why we can't see him and, and how we can see him in beatitude. Well, we can't see him by nature, but how we can see him in beatitude he says, um, our intellect stands in relation to the most evident things as the owl's eye does to the sun. Because the, the, the owl can see better at night. It can't see the sun. It would be blinded. Therefore, the created intellect needs to be strengthened by some divine light in order to see the divine substance. And that's the takeaway. The created intellect needs to be strengthened by some divine light in order to see the divine substance. There's a, not surprisingly, there's a name for this divine light. We call it the Lumen Gloriae, the light of glory. There's a psalm verse that says, in thy light we will see light. So This is in the Old Testament. This is King David. In thy light we will see light. Now, God himself is light. Talking about the 100th anniversary of Fatima, how did the children describe the Blessed Virgin? She was all made of light. She was completely lightsome. There was no darkness in her. Because as the moon is completely illumined by the light of the sun, she was perfectly illumined by the light of God and reflected it to the children. Um, so too in heaven, 
um, God is light, and we can't see him by our nature, because he's too bright. But this, the so-called lumen gloriae, the light of glory, strengthens our minds so as to see him. Now, the way that the theologians explain the light of glory, it's like faith. On earth, we can only know divine truth by a habit that is infused into our minds. That habit is called faith. And by virtue of that habit, that, that supernaturally infused theological virtue, we can know divine truth. In heaven, we cannot... We cannot naturally see God, but in heaven, we're given something to replace faith. It's the light of glory, the lumen gloriae, and by that, we're given the faculty. Our mind is elevated to see God as he is in his essence, and therefore, we're not, you know, to quote a song, blinded by the light. Does that make sense? Good one, brother. I thought you might chime in when I blinded by the light. <laughs> yeah, but you're not wrapped up. Uh, this light is not wrapped up. Uh, another deuce, a runner in the night. So no, 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 no. It's just a bit no. different. So no. this, so so, but 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 this, but bro this brother, can, what's I, said in the Psalms: "In thy light we will see light." Yeah, I, I would just add that uh, as you're listening to the Dahomey uh, lecture series, uh, Dahomey lecture number twenty-four tonight here on the Philosophia Padenis classroom and chat room. We are live here from the Crusade Channel Studios in Mandeville, Louisiana. Brother, um, you know, you describe the beatific vision that the Muslims describe, which is the, the one where there are dancing harem girls and virgins and uh, lots of the accoutrement of the material world and what have you. Unfortunately, as the uh, wisp of the smoke of Satan has crept into our church, into the Catholic church, uh, that has unfortunately become the beatific vision for far too many of our brother okay. and sister Catholics as well. They think Aunt Petunia's up uh -huh. at the great uh, piano bar in the sky, knocking back a couple of um, uh, a, a, a couple of Tito's double martinis, and, and uh, hanging out with some single guy named Frederico, waiting for Uncle Ernie to join her. Uh, and it's all a big party, and it's all a big feast, and she's in a much better place, blah, blah, blah. Yep. The concept of purgatory and be a beatific vision never enters into most of our theology today, brother. Because um, the bishops have done their job wonderfully. <laughs> People are entirely ignorant of the faith. Indeed. I mean, I, uh, uh, so I teach high school religion, right? And, and right now we're, in, we're, we're talking about grace. And I told them, I said, I'm going to teach you kids way more than this in the book on grace, because the doctrine of grace is so poorly known today that I'm going to overteach you. I'm going to teach, I'm going to teach you way more than you would ordinarily be taught, because there's, I, w I want them to forget more than most people have ever learned about it, uh, most of their peers, because today, sadly, we don't talk about the doctrine of grace. So We haven't talked about the doctrine of grace, and because we don't understand grace, we can't possibly understand heavenly glory, and this is why people have such a, 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 a completely carnal concept of divine glory. So one of, the, uh, one, of the, one of the children raised their hands and said, but brother, we're already learning about grace. And then you went, well, from now on, you're learning on grace, a double secret probation grace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, 
My, I, I, I wish I were my a student's favorite teacher, but I'm really not. I make them know a lot of stuff. So well, let me let um, me let me chime in one more thing here on the um, uh, on the Dahomey discussion here and on this this discussion of grace, especially the children at school. Uh, one of the things that my wife mid Midas Church remarked after having gone to the Benedict uh, Saint Benedict Center and having actually met some of the children that are uh, both in the school now and at least one that's a, that's a graduate and had gone to the school, her remark was, you know how you hear that you have to send your kids to public schools or else they become shut-in losers and they can't communicate with anyone and can't talk to anyone in the outside world? She goes, you know what I noticed about it? She goes, I noticed the exact opposite. She goes, mm-hmm. those kids that are traditional, I'll use the term even though I don't want to, traditionalists or, or the children of traditionalists, those kids are the most outgoing children you'll ever meet. They are not afraid of adults, and they're not afraid to engage in conversations. Then the conversations are never about stupid games and movies and TV shows. They're about substantive things sometimes. Um, yeah. And she said it's really impressive that, you know, and, and that is almost a rule across the board, which tells me, brother, that in the ages of faith, when uh, the faith was being taught and what you're doing at your school was probably uh, an average uh, education for those who got one and not everyone did, that, uh, uh, but of course the faith part was being taught. What that tells me is that the world that they lived in was a far different place than the one that we live in. Uh, and, and there was a, uh, almost a, a foundation of grace that, you know, they, they'd have to stray from that foundation to fall into disordered lives and lives of sin. Yeah, and and uh, well, do, okay. So don't get the idea that our kids are sinless. And I know you didn't say that. No, but, no, but, no, 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 no. I didn't. But no. the idea that the idea that they're just a bunch of wallflowers who 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 can't communicate. You know, they're sort of social social misfits. Uh, you know, c- completely unable to to talk to an adult or whatever. That's clearly not there. I mean, we we believe very much in engaging with our students in the in the classroom and and um yeah they they're kids and they can say some pretty goofballs <laughs> stuff but um but I, i'd much rather them err on the side of being too exuberant and 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 expressing themselves than than being unable to engage in a conversation at all and i've actually heard what you what you have to say i've heard about our little kids and about our high school kids that yeah, they can actually engage people and 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 speak in in an articulate way. And you know, I was telling somebody today, I've been faulted for using too big a vocabulary around young people. And I was telling this to Gary Potter, and he looks at me and he says, "Well, how would they learn otherwise?" You know, for <laughs> Gary, for Gary, it was no mystery. But I have parents telling me, "Well, why do you use those big words?" And I said, "Well, listen to your children. Eventually, they use them too. That's how it works." It's called teaching. And, you know, how did you learn English to begin with? Did everybody say goo-goo-ga-ga around you when you were a baby? No, they spoke English, and eventually you learned it too. (laughs) We've even learned, uh, uh, managed to learn Latin words and Greek words. Pantalai! Yeah, so we we, we are completely against this concept of just dumbing, dumbing everything down so the kids get it. When you do that to the liturgy, you get garbage liturgy. You got the Novus Ordo and all of the horrible things that follow in in, in that in, in in its wake. When you when you do that in education, you end up teaching teaching uh, material that's really appropriate to high school sophomores to college seniors, and we're seeing that kind of stuff. And as it as education is becoming more and more industrialized, 
You're going to see people having college majors in, in things that, that really are trades. They have nothing to do with higher education. But because we got to send every kid to college, you know, but, so maybe, maybe we'll, we'll, when we have complete success, we'll have 40-year-olds who have the vocabulary of a high school freshman. Indeed, indeed. This is the Philosophy of Prudentius live classroom and chat room here on the Crusade Channel, King Size Truth from Radio Size Speakers. We are discussing Dahomey Lecture number 24 uh, from the series of 31 lectures or 32? Uh, 31, I believe. Mike. 31 lectures. So, so, so look, there, there's a few things that we should sort of go fast forward. Sure, let's on, do it. I realize we, 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 we aren't as far along as we should be. Brother gives two definitions. One is the definition of life. He's already given this uh, in the psychology course way back, but here it is again. Life is the power of self-perfecting imminent action. Self-perfecting imminent action, which is distinguished from transient action. So when we see a leaf blowing in the wind, that's transient action. It's, being, it's passively receiving energy from outside of itself and, and moving. Imminent action is action that comes from inside of the thing. So as Brother once illustrated, the difference between transient action and imminent action, on a windy New England fall day, he sees a bunch of leaves blowing in one direction because that's the way the wind was going. But then he saw something moving opposite that direction against the leaves, against the wind, and that was a bird. The bird is living and has imminent action. Uh, some, somebody at the conference quoted Belloc who said that a dead thing can flow downstream. Only a living thing can swim against the stream. It was either Belloc or Chesterton. Chesterton said that, not Belloc. Chesterton, okay. Well, so, so What's wrong with the world is the... Is, between is, imminent is action and transient action. So life is the power of self-perfecting imminent action. And, of course, in Beatitude, we talk about it being eternal Life, so it's an absolute plenitude of life. It's an absolute plenitude of this imminent action, action from inside of it. And yes, the beatitude, the life of beatitude is it involves action. It involves contemplation, which is passive, which is seeing God. But we see God with our intellect, and the intellect is actively taking in this knowledge, just as the will is actively loving and delighting. So it's not entirely passive. The, the intellect and the will do not remain entirely passive in beatitude. There is activity, right? Now, the other, the, in fact, if, if, we, if we, we'll be more active in heaven, even though we'll be more contemplative, we'll, we'll, even though the essence of heavenly beatitude is contemplative, we'll be more active. God himself is pure act. There's no potency in him. Now, this, the, the next definition that, that Brother gives, and he spent a long time talking about life being the power of self-perfecting imminent action, but we don't have that time now to, to repeat all that stuff. The next, action, the next definition he gives is of, of eternity, and here he's quoting St. Boetius. Boetius was a Christian philosopher, an Aristotelian in, I think, the 7th century. Um, he gave us an excellent definition of eternity that all the scholastics used. And his definition is that eternity is the simultaneously whole and complete possession of interminable life. Now, the, 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 simultane the simultaneity as, as a quality, as one of the notes of the definition of beatitude is important. Because when we talk about God himself, 
we we don't talk about God ex- living a little bit now, a little bit in the future, and so forth. He's not like us who live in time. For God, there is the eternal now. There isn't time. There isn't before and after. God Himself does not experience before and after. His His own eternity is a complete simultaneous possession of all life. And we participate in that by adoption. So for us, we experience this simultaneously whole and complete possession of interminable life, an unending life, but it's not like brother said, you know, he, he was very convinced that people don't have very good ways of explaining heavenly beatitude. And just as we can't say that heavenly beatitude is what the Muslims or the Mormons think of it, neither, neither should we think that beatitude, that eternal life is just kind of like a slightly happier version of earthly life, but it just doesn't end. No, it's a simultaneous possession of all good. It's a simultaneous possession of interminable life. There's a fullness there, and there's a simultaneity there. We participate in God's own now. We won't be experiencing things as before and after. That's the big difference. We're going to we're, the the human experience of duration after the resurrection of the body, or even in heaven, and, and as disembodied souls, is is going to be an experience that splits the difference between time and eternity, and it's called eternity. We will be experiencing eternity. We will experience God's interminable, simultaneous now. And because of that, I mean, people talk about living in the moment. I mean, that not that kind of a hippie thing? Yes, it is a hippie uh, thing. You don't, Timothy but, Larry thing, tune in, turn on, drop out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we will live in the moment the way no drug-induced hippie kind of experience could possibly <laughs> have, have, have done. Because we will be seeing God in his eternal now. That's... that's that's what lay behind uh, Boetius' definition. Eternity is the simultaneously whole and complete possession of interminable life. So Scripture says, "In Him was life, and the life was the uh, the, the uh, in Him was life." Um, so, and and the life was the light of men. This is Saint John talking about our Lord. So that concept of life and light is all wrapped up together. We will be participating in God's own. Life, inter, internal life and eternal life, so that there w- and and there'll also be a complete quieting of all our desires. So we're not going to be thinking in terms of before and after. We're not going to be thinking in terms of oh, I want this, I have this desire now, it's gratified. Because in heavenly beatitude, there is complete and total contentment because there exists no desire, only the perfect fructification that comes from the intellect's grasping of the good, which is God himself. Now, brother, I see here on the, uh, on the, on the, on the handout that there were uh, six objections. Yeah. And I don't have all of them in front of me. This is from the Summa Contra Gentiles. And I don't have that in in front of me. Brother insisted that, (laughs) 
that it was kind of heavy, and he only wanted to give that one uh, okay. that one objection and the answer. Okay, I I, I see that. Uh, are we then uh, sufficiently prepared then to move on to Dahomey number twenty five next week? I, I I do believe that we are. Yes. Okay. So uh, uh same dude time as uh, same philosophy time, same philosophy channel. Actually, the philosophy course is conducted in time. So <laughs> yes, it is. We're not in eternity yet. Uh, we're we're conducting it in time, in the prayerful hope that we'll make it to no time. So <laughs> yes. So uh, stay tuned for Brother Andre Marie's very own Reconquest episode number nine to the seven, coming up next right here on the Crusade Channel. Of course, if you missed any of Brother's previous episodes, they're all available uh, on the website at CrusadeChannel.com or on demand. Right there on the uh, same site, if you're not a Founders Past member, but you want access to uh, to uh, Brother's work, well, then it's all there. Uh, meanwhile, I will invite all of you to join us. Uh, we're going to work a timeout for Brother sometime during uh, Friday morning, I believe probably uh, 9 a.m. Central or uh, 9 a.m. Eastern. Uh, 8 a.m. Central, sometime around in there, for Brother to make an appearance on our six-hour-long Fatima extravaganza, uh, the Miracle of the Sun extravaganza, to be followed by a Holy Rosary. And uh, uh, we'll start noon with a DeAngelus, and then we'll go to the, uh, the Rosary, and then we'll do a uh, Litany of Our uh, Blessed Virgin. Brother, that's all the time we have tonight. Thanks for joining us. May God bless you, and Mary keep you. Amen.